going through the D word. I hate to say that, right? Yep. I was going through a divorce, um, and that was over 30, 30 years ago. And uh, it was, yeah, 25 years ago. And anyway, it was a really tough time for me. I was in the ministry full time. I was watching, I was traveling all over the United States, preaching and ministering and seeing God doing some miraculous things and just living the great life. And then that all came to a stop when it came to my, my marriage. I married in the will of God, the perfect will of God. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. I was a virgin when I married and knew that that, that, that was the one. And the enemy really took his toll and came in and did a, a number on that whole thing. There was no biblical reason for that to happen. Um, but seven years later, uh, somebody called me and said, this is exactly why this happened. It was the jealousy of a mother, a mother that took away, you took away their daughter. And I remember the time when that lady walked into me and looked at me and said, uh, you will never get her back. And that's when I knew. In fact, she was wearing a blue dress that day. So I just started singing devil in a blue dress, blue dress, blue dress, devil with a blue dress on. Fee, fee, fa. No, we don't go into that. But uh, so I, I knew, but she confirmed that seven years later that that's what happened and said, she's trying to do that now to my husband that I'm married to, and I don't want it to happen. So I just want you to know you were right. So the Lord, something happened in that time. During that time, Brother Lowe reached out and said, uh, I told him what was going on. I said, I'm preaching, ministering. What should I do? And he said, Keep doing what you're doing, don't change. Just keep moving forward. I remember I had seven revivals. I had five, five crusades, youth crusade. I did these crusades where I would uh, go into schools with my friend, the world's strongest man, Anthony Clark, who, was, who baptized, or excuse me, who um, bench pressed 800 pounds. Anthony Clark bench pressed 800 pounds. Uh, look him up. He's in the world, uh, world. Well, thank you. Yeah. Say that again. Guinness Book of World Record. Thank you. And uh, get us book a world record. And he's in there, and he used to do it like this, folks, reverse grip, reverse grip. And he bench pressed 800 pounds, and he'd go, boom. <laughs> and that would be the record, and it was amazing. Uh, I had the opportunity to baptize him. Um, he was at a teenage nightclub, and I was uh, out there witnessing, and I took a bunch of youth with me and went out there, and I, I said, uh, you're Anthony? And he said, yes. I said, the Lord wanted me to come talk to you. And he said, oh yeah, what about? And I said, well, he wants you to quit your job here. And he went, I'm not going to quit my job. I said, yep. I said, the Lord's going to do something in your life. Began to minister and talk to him. And a few weeks later, I baptized him in Jesus name and he got saved. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And so now I'm the world's strongest baptizer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I hold that title. I'm sure it's in the world book of whatever. Uh, look it up. I'm sure I'm there. I mean, you know, thank God for buoyancy and water, you know, <laughs> sorry, you down, pulling back up. But, uh, but those were great days. And through all those great miracles, I mean, had kids in San Diego, California. I remember they came to my crusade. We fed them pizza. We got Anthony in the schools. Uh, the coaches were all excited, man. We know about Anthony and get him in there. And all these kids would come and eat our free pizza. Uh, and I would just order a bunch of pizza and, and the Lord helped us fund it. And, <clears throat> And during that time, Anthony, uh, he would get in the gymnasium and challenge their strongest coach. And so their coach would get up there and he would start bench pressing 300, 350, you know, and start pushing it up. Anthony would get over there and start out with 500. Boom. <laughs> and then one time he went 650 pounds and he went like this. He got underneath it and everybody said, 
350 pounds. And they were all excited and screaming whenever he lifted that. 500 pounds, excited when he lifted that. Ladies and gentlemen, 650 pounds. And everybody, nobody looked. I said, wait a minute, Who's, who is this guy? That's not possible. He'd lift that weight, and he, when he got it up the first time, boom! Boom, 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 19 more times. He did 20 times, 650 pounds. And right in the middle of that, everybody was going, that's not human. <laughs> Something's going on with this guy. It was a great privilege and pleasure. But I remember these seven kids that walked in that God uh, brought from a, from a homeless shelter. And they walked in in a line, and they sat in a pew, and they walked in like this, and holding hands. And we baptized six of the seven kids that day. And the one we didn't baptize, yes, amen. And the one we didn't baptize was the one that was raised in church, lived in a preacher's home, and said, I will never go back. Well, at the end of the service, that one uh, gave her life to the Lord. She didn't get baptized, but she gave her life back to the Lord, and it was a great victory. One young man came to me, and he said, sir, I feel led to hand you this. And he handed me a razor blade. And he said, Tonight, before you came to our shelter, I was going to slip my wrist and kill myself. He said, I'm telling you, I was going to do it. I was going to kill myself. And he said, you told us about pizza. And I thought, I'm going to eat my last meal, my favorite food. <laughs> I said, I'm going to eat that pizza and I'm going to go and, and kill myself. I'm done. I'm over. It's, I can't handle this anymore. And at that time, when he came down, God delivered him and set him free. And let me tell you something. You may not believe in all this kind of stuff, all right? But let me tell you what he did. He slithered like a snake. I remember when I laid hands on him, he turned gray, and he just went down just like this. And he hit the ground. And when he hit the ground, they picked him up. He lifted his hands, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost. I mean, it changed his life. Hand me that razor blade, and we're off to the races. Amen? It was the most powerful thing. It was great. So during all that time and all the wonderful things that were going on, the people that were being saved and delivered and set free, and the power of the Lord was strong, right in the middle of the greatest revivals in the time of my life, come to a screeching halt. I lost the very thing I thought was the will of God. But now, I've been married over 23 years uh, to my beautiful wife. I love her so much. She wanted to be here today, but I think she had a nail appointment or something. That's very important, you know, and I... Uh, Oh, facial. Thank you. Thank you. Facial. She had a facial today. I actually wasn't going to tell that that's really what she was doing. But, uh, but hey, a little, little segue into that, ladies and gentlemen. Would you give it up for my daughter, Gracie, being here today with us? My daughter, Gracie. And her boyfriend, Sean. Sean, yep. Thank you. Yep. All right. We're so glad. Everybody says, you look just like me. She's blessed. Amen. Amen. That's all I got to say. I said, not everybody can be that blessed, but every once in a while, amen. No, but it's good to have her, and she works with me at my jewelry store that I own there, and um, I have the privilege of owning there in uh, Georgetown, Texas. That's what I do for work, and um, it's been a great blessing to have her. So glad that they're with us today. So in the midst, I want to talk to us today about fear, and fear, which is very, very um, powerful substance. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord and, uh, and the fear of the Lord and the importance of fear in God. To have fear of the Lord just means reverence. The greatest way to express our fear of the Lord is to walk in the Spirit, 
not fulfilling the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, which means that I get up my own ambitions. I give up my own desires. I give up what I want to do. I give up the, the walk and the talk that means everything about me. And it means simply turning over your life to Jesus. Now, how many people know that it's, better, it's easier said than done? Amen. Amen. Are we in agreement? I think that's what I'm supposed to say today, right? It's easier said than done. In other words, to know to do right and not to do it, to him it is sin. Which means the separation is, is not doing what we're told to do. So therefore, if we are walking in the Spirit, not fulfilling our own desires, then we're in the total 100 obedience of what God is saying to do. In other words, when he says go left, you go left. If he says, and you go right, then you get off track. I think what happens many times, this is what happens, is that many times when we get off track from doing what we feel called to do, then we feel like we're a nobody. We feel like that we are never going to be able to get back on track. We feel like that the Lord doesn't love us anymore. All the lies start coming in. Then the fear starts coming in. And then it's now it's separated. And there's something that there's something about the one thing of fear that today I feel that there are people that are going to be delivered from that fear. And that's the fear of failure. The fear of failure. I'm going to fail. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to overcome. I feel that if I have a fear of failure, then the fear of failure is what's kept me from getting everything that the Lord has been wanting to give me. So therefore, I allow the fear of failure to cause me to do what is comfortable, to do what is natural, to do what everybody else is doing. So therefore, that very thing and thought right there is the enemy of God. Because faith without works is dead. I used to talk about a message I preached on stinking faith. Stinking faith. Faith without works is dead. And anything that's dead for a long time really stinks. So you can say you have faith. You can say you believe. You can say he's the Lord of your life. You can say that he's the king of kings. You can say that you love him. You can say that you're a part of the church. You can say that you're a believer. You can say that you're anointed. You can say that you're the num number one school, Sunday school director. You can give yourself titles. You can give your permission to believe that you're something when the very Lord, the Lord says that without faith, all things are not possible, right? Only thing that are possible is through faith. Faith without works is dead. Stinking faith. Remember, there was a, a squirrel that got stuck up in our attic at our church. And, um, and it, it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. Every day I'd come to church, you know, and I'd smell something. And it was really, really bad odor. And I just thought, man, what in the world is that smell? And uh, then the guy came to me in the main scout. He said, hey, man, there's this little family of, of, um, of squirrels. And one of them died. And I uh, just want you to know that's what you're smelling. And I said, man, we got to do something about that. He said, yeah, I've got a plan. I said, great. Now, folks, I don't know about you. How many ladies in here like, like the smell of vanilla, vanilla candles and uh, vanilla? Okay, I'm sorry to see that. I mean, 
Bless you. Um, uh, so what did he do? He started burning vanilla candles. And he started making the scent like vanilla to cover up the smell of what really stunk. Now, I have to tell you, to this day when I smell vanilla, all I can think about is that dead squirrel. <laughs> all I can think about is sitting at my desk and all of a sudden going, what is that smell? That's all I can think about. He substituted one smell for another, but what does it do? It reminds me every single day, every time I smell that, of the negative. It reminds me of that. I was in the hotel this morning and I was leaving. I smelled a smell inside the hotel that reminded me of all the other hotels of that brand. Why? Because now, and it's actually a cologne, now they use a cologne consistently in all their brands so that when you smell that smell, you think of them. <laughs> and so whenever I smell that smell, it's very pleasant. I want to go down to the lobby. I want to get in the elevator. I want to be there. I want to go. Why? Because I know when I go there, I'm definitely not going to smell that squirrel. I'm definitely not going to smell something that's dead. Because something that's dead always reminds you of something you don't want to remember. Whoo! That's why when today, when people receive a new life in Christ, when there becomes a deliverance in the Lord, all things will be passed away. All things are going to become new in your life. Which means everything before today or, or after today is your new life in believing, in trusting, in believing that the Lord is going to lead you, guide you, and direct you into all truths in the perfect will of God. Which means all things will be passed away and all things will become new. A new beginning in Christ. I don't know about you, but there's somebody here today, somebody that's got to say, I'm tired of the old, I'm tired of the dying, I'm tired of the things that stink, and I am definitely ready for the new. I'm ready for the instruction and the understanding of the Word. And the Bible says that we are, many of us are saved by the preaching of the Word. The Word is what brings forth. So today as faith starts building, then you'll start having the faith to believe that it's not just going to be something you're going to say or talk about. It's going to be something that you're going to start living and believing because now you have to believe. Let me tell you something. What the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. Every evil thing that's ever come your way, whether it was a divorce like I experienced or whether it was something, a failure in a, a time in your life when you weren't walking with the Lord, in fact, you mixed it with playing church and you mixed it with just being good and you mixed it and you were hiding under the shadows of religious things. And today the Lord is saying, please come out of that. It's time to get off the milk of life and it's time to get into the meat of life. And the meat of life is what? The meat of life is walking in the spirit every single day, listening to the voice of the Lord, trusting the voice of the Lord, believing that when he says do something, he's going to do it right. Let me tell you something. It's not going to be anything you've ever wanted. It's not going to be anything that you ever desired. It's just not going to be. Why? Because that was the old life. That was the life of what I'm going to do, what I want to be. Is that all right? Everybody said amen. amen. But the new life in Christ is saying, Lord, 
I'm not going to care if I wear a mask. I don't care if I don't wear a mask. I'm sick and tired of where I can go and where I can't go. Let me tell you something. This has been the greatest thing that's ever happened to America and especially Christians. When you don't determine whether or not you do or don't do something, it's not you. It is the Lord. Why can't we believe for the Lord to tell us what to do? There may be a reason that we do something that somebody else doesn't do. It's not about what we look to them. The Lord wants us to look at ourselves and to align ourselves perfectly with Him. Then we become a blessing to others. Then we become a blessing to people. Then we're walking in the Spirit. It's about time that somebody's sick. One of you, before you would just walk by somebody that's sick, you wouldn't think anything. Except now after today, you think, you know what? I'm Holy Ghost filled. I'm anointed. I'm going to walk over there and lay hands. And I'm going to believe that when I lay hands on them, God's going to heal them. God's going to deliver them. God's going to set them free. I'm telling you, church, we are missing it by not giving you the gifts by not giving you the authority as ministry of the gospel, by not putting those tools into your hands so that you are the agent of the Lord Jesus Christ. God forgive us as the church for not being able to do that, for playing church. God forgive us for not doing that and to not being able to be the example to the believers. I'm telling you here today more now than ever. Thank you, Lord, for what we're going through. What the devil meant for evil, God meant for good. And I can tell you right now, you can recognize whenever you're not of faith, when you start saying, oh, man, this thing is, is wearing me down. My gosh. Man, you can't do this. You can't do that. And you can't. And the Lord the whole time is saying, where's your focus? Where's your focus on me? And can I still heal? Can I still deliver? Can I still set you free? Am I still the God of all gods? Am I still the Holy One? Let me tell you something, folks, and I want to make this very clear. The reason they killed Jesus. Do you know why they killed Jesus? What was the reason why the Pharisees killed Jesus? Because he claimed to be something they didn't want them, he, they didn't want him to be. That's Jesus claimed to be God. Can you imagine? They God was in all other kind of forms. And then he comes up and he says, I am. He used the most strongest word and terms to say that you're God. You're the I am, the Almighty. And because when he said that, immediately they knew that that's their target. Why? Because it was about to interrupt their world. It was about to interrupt their church schedule. It was about to interrupt their ministries. It was about to interrupt their form and healthy that they have. And that's what's happening in America today. America today, we play church long enough. And I'm here to tell you something. When you hear this kind of preaching and this word today, it's because of a leader that says this church will hear the voice of the Lord. We're going to do everything we can to hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord screaming out for his people. He's saying, forget about titles. Forget about what you used to do. Forget about being this denomination, this denomination. He said, now I want you to get into the holy of holy places with me. Just you one-on-one. I'm here to tell you, one hour of prayer with just you and the Lord is about to do more power and more good than it's ever done in your life. But that sacrifice, a one hour. Whoa, what a sacrifice, right? And it's the one hour of your life for you to get focused and aligned to what he wants you to do. 
Man, I have been going through it here lately. I'm telling you, I am going through it. I am. I'm being challenged to forget about what I've done and now where I'm going and who I am. I want to thank Brother Lowe for challenging me. My, my family knows that if anything ever happens to me, they're to go to him. Anything. Anything ever happens where they need help, they go to him. Because the Lord has placed that man in my life to give me the direction. There were times and seasons in the Word where men of God, prophets, and teachers were given authority to speak things that other people did not understand. Can you imagine Jesus going around telling everybody that he's God? Can you imagine Jesus going around and telling everybody he is the I am? <laughs> or Jesus to say, I am the Godhead bodily? When you've seen the Father, you've seen me? That's what Jesus was telling them. It wasn't in Buddha. It wasn't in Muhammad. Well, that's not popular to say today. Within the, I think I'm in the will of God. Amen. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ. Can you imagine today that that's even being challenged? Did you ever think you were living in a world where that would be challenges to say that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ because I don't want to offend anyone? Right? I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. When they see you coming, do they think about Jesus? When they see you walk in a room, the power and the anointing is so strong in there because of your presence, because you've been with the Lord. That's when you know. A man walked into my store the other day. He's 6'5", weighs over 300 pounds, the most intimidating guy you would ever see in your life. He walked in, and I know that he's been driving from Austin to Houston for many, many months to get these infusions for the leukemia that he has every month. He wears a 16-size shoe. When he walks in, it's like he touched the back of the store and hits the front of the store. <laughs> I mean, that shoe is that long. When he walks in, there's a presence. He came in, and he looked at me, and he said, Ricky, I need you to pray for me. Right there with customers and my family and everybody standing around, I laid hands on him. And I prayed for him in Jesus' name. He was thankful that I prayed for him in Jesus' name because he needs the Lord, not because he's sick, but he needs the Lord because his wife's leaving him because he's sick. So he really didn't need a healing in his body so much as he needed a healing in his heart. And then I looked at him in the eyes and I said, Lord, lead me. And I said, Ron, I love you. When I said those words, he melted. I could feel something fall off of him. He just went, oh. Most likely, he was probably going to end his life. That's what I'm feeling on that. Those three words, I love you, probably changed his life by being directed of the Lord, by listening to the Lord. For Jesus Christ is our strength. He's the one that we look to. Everybody said amen. And I'm sure hoping that the Lord ministers to him. I want us to go to a scripture real quick. And the first one is Exodus, the third chapter, real fast. Exodus 3, 11 through 14. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Who am I to bring them out? Who am I that you call me? Listen, when God calls you to do something, 
If you're saying, who am I to do it? You're in the right place. If you automatically think you're good enough to do something, then that's flesh. Well, of course, because I'm this or I'm that. Flesh. Well, I can do it because I've third degree whatever. Flesh. <laughs> well, I can do it because I'm supposed to do it because I'm the leader. Flesh. But when the leaders were used of God, they always said, why me? Why are you pointing to me? I can't. Why? I got a speech impediment. Who was that that had a speech impediment? Couldn't talk. No. Moses. And so Moses had to do what? what was he? he was climbing around just like all of us. What should I do? Who should I get? I got to get somebody else. Why? Because I have these disabilities. I can't. What happened? He said, I told you. And God said, I will be with you. Said and done. Said and done. You have fear to believe that God can take you to the next level? No. Why? Because he said, I will be with you. He made it clear. If you have me, you have everything. The problem is we don't want to have him because it's going to change our lifestyle. Everybody say, ouch, kind of. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. In other words, when the Lord's with us and he directs and he does what he does, then we don't get any credit for it. I know this seems like basic one-on-one living for the Lord, but here's what's happening. This is what the Lord was showing me. The Lord was showing me that when the truth falls on the ears of the, of the people of God, when there's not a determination through desperation, they're not going to receive. The Lord gave me something when I was in a church not too long, a long time ago. And he said, Ricky, you've got pride in your life. You've been doing this for so long that now you just think that I'm going to do everything you want me to do just because you're there. And, and you don't realize, but it's still for you to seek me early, to trust me early, to talk to me. Let daddy tell you what to do. And he said, you have developed pride, just like the king. The king that developed pride in the Old Testament ended up what? The Bible says that he was eating in the fields, the grass. Because he was eating in the fields of the grass, because he was lowered. And then he realized that it was the Lord that gave him all the cattle, all the sheep and everything. And realized, and the Bible says he repented. And the Lord showed me something in pride. P-R-I-D-E. P-R-I-D-E. The best way to kill pride, number one for P, is persistent in prayer. Amen. I've got work. I've got kids. I've got family. I've got church. Persistent in prayer, P. He said the second thing for R is respect for the ministry, the authority, those that preach, those that minister. And then the third thing he showed me was D for desperation. Got any engineers in the building? Engineers? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Anybody else that's real analytical? 
likes to find fault before you like to find favor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm not that engineers are that way, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> Stay with me. D, desperation through determination. And then E, to extol the Lord, meaning giving Him the praise and the glory and the honor at all times, praising Him, worshiping Him, all of it. In other words, every day, I praise you, Lord. You had a flat tire. I th thank you, Lord. <laughs> Walk in there and He blessed you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just want to thank you because I think too much of myself. Forgive me. Thank you, Lord. Extolling Him. I worship you for who you are. You saved my soul. You brought me out of whatever. And, and just worshiping. That's extolling the Lord. Giving Him the highest praise. Amen. That's pride. Thank you for asking. <laughs> So he showed me the P, he showed me the R, he showed me the D, and he showed me the E. And I began to pray. And I said, God, what's going on? What about the I? He said, I want you to grab the I in the letter pride, P-R-I-D-E, and I want you to pull it out. First of all, I want you to see that that representation of I is just like this. Everybody, you ought to do this right now. Just do this right now. Put that, put that arm up right now. No, look at it. Look, try to look through it. Look through it. Is there something blocking is there something blocking when you're trying to look at me? Look at me with this like this. And see, you see something there, right? A lot of pride because you don't want to do it because you look silly. But no, you don't. Nobody's looking. We're all thinking about ourselves and how we look. <laughs> but look at it. So see there? You see pride. And he said, when you remove the eye, then you see me. He said, the problem is not just seeing you. It's seeing you and me. He said, I don't want to be a competition to what you think, Ricky. I don't want to be a competition to what you think you can do. I want you to take that eye and I want you to remove it. And when you remove it, the P and the R collapse down on the D and the E and it obliterates it. I mean, it takes it out. It knocks it out 100%. Why? Because you remove the eye. But I want to go there, and I want to do this, and I want to do that. Somebody today is going to get really, really brave. You're going to realize that if God sent Moses to do something that he needed to do, even though that he didn't think he was able to do it because of all the inabilities in his life and who he was, that you can do the very same thing. It's a lie from the pits of hell that you're second class, you're third class, you're not going to be used of the Lord because you're a mother or because you're a father or you're just somebody that attend no more no more the lord's raising up an army of people that says now i'm going to die to my flesh i'm going to die to what i want to do and what am i going to do i'm going to take the eye out yes amen what keeps us what keeps us from fulfilling that? Flesh. Somebody here today, you're going to be delivered from what you think other people think about you. Amen. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you. Who's the lover of your soul? Who saved your soul? Who delivered you? Who cares about you? And if he cares...
loves and strengthens you, then when you go talk to him, that he's going to tell you what to do and what not to do. Here's what's going to happen. He's going to start asking you to do things as you surrender to him. Because old things are passed away and all things become new from this day forward for the hearers of the word today. Have you ever heard that statement before, read the room? You know, where when you walk into a room, you read the room. You know what I mean? In other words, you kind of get a feel for who all is there. So my ministry has always been, you know, what I've done in my life, what he's always directed me to do was to read the room spiritually. That when you put something up against something that's spiritual, like flesh people, <laughs> then you see everything that you need to see. When you've been burned enough, when you have failed enough, when you've been exposed enough, when you really realize who you are when you look at yourself in an hour of prayer, when you really realize that you're nothing without Him, when you realize that there is no good thing in you, when you realize that you're hiding yourself from people, when they already know sometimes what's going on in your life, then you realize it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So now I get delivered. I get delivered from myself. Now today, I can take authority by taking that eye out of pride. And not only is it just me and Jesus that I see, now it's just Jesus. It's just Him. Lord, is this what you want me to do? You start putting people in your life and something happens. And you realize, I'm that authority. I'm that person that's anointed. Amen. 1 Samuel 17, 32 to 45. I want to read this real quick. What's fear got to do with it? David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistines. Your servant will go and fight him. Next. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistines and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Talking about David and Goliath, right? So that's what David said. But David said unto Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Your servant has been obedient to do the menial task that he was called to do. He's just tending sheep. Sheep can smell. Sheep does things, you know, that you got to clean. I'm not getting into all that spiritually. <laughs> so keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, what happened? I went after it. I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its, by its hair and struck it and killed it. The Bible talks about the shepherd and the sheep. It talks about the shepherd in, in parallel of a pastor or ministry. The, the shepherd and then the sheep that are the saints of God. And you can kind of correlate that together, that whenever the sheep get out of line, the shepherd's there to correct them by the word and by love and correct them. That's biblical. That's not... That's biblical. Your, 
Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. In other words, when something come in like a roaring lion, when something come in that's about to destroy the people, the leader, the shepherd rises up and does his job. Not everybody has that gift. Amen. Keep going. Your servant has killed both their life, and I'm certain I will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, that's what made him mad. You defied the armies of the living God? I'm mad. Now I'm going after you. Next. The Lord who rescued me from the power will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, Well, you go ahead and go. <laughs> May the Lord be with you. <laughs> go ahead. I have a feeling that somebody that didn't have the faith at the moment was saying, you go ahead and fight that giant. If you feel that's what you're supposed to do. Most people, we do not have the strength. We do not have the spiritual strength and the fortitude. Why? Because we don't know him. And like Brother Lowe has preached and ministered so many times, that's really been getting into my spirit. We don't really know who we are. We don't know our identity. If we know our identity of who we are and the identification of who we are, then we know what we can do, and then we're ready for that moment. It's like the time when the, the chief of police in Odessa, Texas, and I'm a chaplain, and all of his chaplains are sitting around, and the chief of police said, he said, uh, I've been praying. I mean, I was in a church that uh, uh, it was pretty cold. In fact, it was so cold you could hang meat in it, you know, and the meat would, was, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying there just wasn't a lot of flowing going on, you know, and, and it was, but it was the perfect time for me to be there. And I've been praying, I've been fasting and I'm sitting around all these denominal preachers and the chief of police is sitting there because we're all chaplains and I'm the new guy and I'm the youngest guy. And the chief said, Hey, I need you guys to throw one up to the man upstairs. Uh, my daughter's got cancer right there in her stomach. And right when he said that, because I'd been praying, because I'd been fasting, and I was being sensitive to the Lord, I looked at him and said, God's going to heal your daughter. Amen. And what did I do? I took my shirt off, and I started flexing my muscles. Yeah, you bet I did. Yep, he's going to do it. When that happened and I spoke that wall under every table because all the preachers were saying, well, he can. <laughs> you know, the Baptist preacher said, well, he wants to. And the Methodist preacher said, well, if you just believe in the Lord, you know. And the, the Catholic priest said, nothing. But anyway, they, they just said, he, you know, uh, I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing with you Catholics. Bless you. I love you. They all had something to say. And I'm sitting there scared to death because I just told the, this chief that God's going to heal his daughter. She's got cancer in her stomach. I remember I felt alone I had, in the beginning. I didn't know really what to do. But then I realized, man, that must have come from the Lord. Why? Because it was not me. Your natural flesh is not going to say something or do something like that. It just won't. But because I was dead to the Lord, I mean to myself, and I was listening to the Lord, I just as a young child, a young man, I just looked and said, God's going to heal your daughter. I remember leaving there thinking, Lord, now they're going to really think us Pentecostals are weird. <laughs> they're all going to start talking about us. I'm ashamed to the Pentecostal faith. Why? Because I'm name it, claim it, grab it, blab it. 
and everything they say. I know you may find this hard to believe this was before cell phones. <laughs> Ooh, that's dating me. <laughs> oh, we may have had them, but it was those flip phones, you know what I mean? You look like a smart guy, you know. His hand goes up. Out of his shoe, if you remember. Calls me on the phone. I was beating myself up. And he said, uh, Chaplain Poe, yes sir, this is uh, Chief over here at the PD. He said, uh, you know how I asked you guys to pray for my daughter? Yes, sir. Well, you know, she had a big fist full of cancer right there in the middle of her stomach. I said, yes, sir, that's what you told us. He said, well, they canceled her surgery, and I just want to talk to you about it. And I said, sure. He said, uh, they went and took an x-ray, and they took the x-ray where they saw the cancer, and they took another x-ray, and uh, they couldn't find it. Uh, uh, the, the cancer... They canceled the surgery because they couldn't find the cancer. They canceled the surgery because they couldn't find the cancer. Uh, 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 chaplain, I just want to know, how did you know that? <laughs> know what? He said, you looked at me. And he said, you told me God's going to heal my daughter. And I said, well, sir, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know that. I actually had been praying a lot, and I just spoke it out. And when I spoke it out, I guess God did His, his work. Well, uh, well, that's great. Well, all I know is they canceled the surgery, and she don't have cancer. But that was because of... Mm, mm, mm. Oh, come on. That's the way we feel, right? We did it. We did it. So what does that mean? You got to go die more. You got to go die more. Because why? Because you, some of you folks, you have feared. The spirit of fear has been the next step for your ministry to see miracles. Because you're afraid you're going to get too puffed up. You're afraid you're not going to be able to handle it. You're afraid that people are going to talk about you. You're afraid of what's going to happen to you. You forgot all about him and the mission through you. Four months later, he was indicted for a very heinous crime and went to federal penitentiary for four years. And one time a police officer told me, he said, whenever you said that about his daughter, that was the moment in time he could have given his life to the Lord and saved his family and his own life. Shame, guilt. Policeman goes to prison four years because of something that he did not submit to in a time when God healed his daughter. Well, if God heals my daughter like that, I would live for him the rest of the days of my life. Would you? If God delivered me from smoking, I would live... For... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean cigarettes. I'm sorry. I was talking... Was that CBD, ABD, ABCD, FG, HIJKLMNOP... T C G T D H G A B D. I'm all confused. I don't know if I'm taking T D A B C or you know the kind that does this and the kind that does that. And I'm just gonna leave it alone. Or you don't believe that he can deliver you from pornography. Or you don't believe that he can deliver you from your past because you've been beaten down and told so many times that you're no good. 
You're no good. You're no good. You're no good. Baby, you're no good. You hear that over and over. I'll never make it. The words of somebody else in the flesh has caused you to believe it. And today the Lord says, I'm about to take that burden off of you. And your flesh is screaming out, I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm just going to smile and shake his hand and we're just all going to be good. We're all going to go home and everything's going to be good. But that's okay. That's okay. Because you've met your match today by being in a spirit-filled Holy Ghost room of people that love you. That people that care about you. That's given you an opportunity today to throw your hands up to the Lord and say, no more of me. 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 It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And for all those people here today, you're hurting. You've got depression. You've got anxiety. You left the things of this world, these things that are going on, and it's dragging you down. It's because you talk about it constantly. You watch the news every day. You're in, you're in tune to all that stuff, and you're listening, and you're worried. Let me tell you something. That's natural. That's the way you're supposed to be in the flesh. You're supposed to worry. You're supposed to be concerned. You're supposed to act like that. But the Lord is saying today, I'm about to change that for the people that want to walk in the Spirit. I'm about to change that for the people that want to live for me. I'm about to change that for the people that are sick and tired of being sick and tired of just being natural. They're just walking along every day without purpose. I want to congratulate the people in here today that you're in pain. If you're in pain today, God bless you. Congratulations. If you're in pain, congratulations. If you're hurting, congratulations. I want to congratulate you. I want to congratulate you. If you're mentally in pain, if you're spiritually in pain, if you're in pain because of destruction and desperation in your life, congratulations because you're this close to your miracle. You're this close. Why? Because you're sick and tired of being sick and tired and you just realized today, no more. I'm just going to throw it up to him. Woo! That's a lot of work. Whew. I forgot about how much work that is. Man alive. Thank you, sir. Because this is the word. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm done. I'm done. But brother Rick, I'm a father, and I've got to have it a plan and an action. Forget about it. Just like they say in New York, forget about it. Hey, you see me walking here? Forget about it. That's what they say in New York. In here? Forget about it. You said it good. Forget about how this is going to make you look. Let me tell you something. Every time in the Bible they face something, a leader or somebody in the Word, the prophets, the people that are of our examples in the, in the Word, face something that took something from them. Amen. You say, but I'm going to be embarrassed because I've been obedient to the Lord today and it's going to be embarrassed for people to see me the way I really need to be. Forget about it. It doesn't matter what they think. Those of you that are desperate, you're automatically going to get what you need today. Those of you that are hungry, you're automatically going to get what you need today because you're sick and tired and the Lord is about to do everything you've ever heard your pastor preach about being the identity of Christ. You don't have to worry about it. You just have to exist and listen to the Lord's voice. But today, you're about to kill it. Pride. 
Persistent in prayer, respect for the ministry, desperation through determination, extolling the Lord and praising Him throughout this whole time just so you can get rid of the eye. Because you're sick and tired of doing things, not just you, but with the Lord. It's you and Him. But He needs you to just see Him. Amen. Psalm 7, uh, let's finish that scripture. 32 to 45 and wherever we stop, please. Then Samuel dressed David in his own tunic. Whose own tunic? Whose tunic did he put him in? Right. And he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. He naturally was preparing him for the battle. David, Goliath. I mean, this guy was a true giant. Huge. Kind of like that guy walked in the store. Whoa. <laughs> Watch this. David fastened on the sword over the tunic, tried walking around with it because he was not used to him, fixing it, you know. Ooh, a little tight, you know. Ooh, it's heavy, you know. Putting on what he thought was going to be the armor to protect him. He had a decision and a thought in his mind of what he thought was going to protect him. He was trying to use his own muscle to do what he thought was going to protect him from the giant. Because he was not used to it. It was different. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. This is different. I'm going to take it. Well, Did you connect this to... My jacket? Oh, okay. I'm afraid I'm going to rip this thing out. So, <laughs> I cannot go in these because he says so because I'm not used to them. So he took it off. Next. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones. And you know why he chose five smooth stones? Technical reason. You know why he found five smooth stones? Anybody know that? Do you know the history of that? It's because that's what he found on the ground. Okay, but anyway. so Oh, here's one. <laughs> Oh, there's no. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll tell you why. Because he used to skip rocks and lakes. And he knew that when you skip a rock in a lake and it's smooth like that, it shoots off really fast. I don't know. It's just a thought. Is it biblical? I don't know. He took the staff in his hand, chose five stones from the stream, and put them in the pouch on his shepherd's bag. And with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Here he goes. So now he's not just wearing the badge of being a church member. He's not wearing just the badge of being a saint or being, quote, saved. He's not thinking about that at all. What's he thinking? Now I've got what I only have. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him, I think that's funny, don't you? That the Philistine, the giant, had a shield bearer in front of him. What does that tell you about the mentality of that giant? kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Do you know why David defeated Goliath? Consider this. It's because his Goliath got his mind and his thoughts off the mission. He saw that he was handsome and he was young. So to Goliath, that is what intimidated him. <laughs> it was his youth that intimidated him. 
It was that he was young and handsome. That's all he could see. He's going, wow, that's a pretty boy, Floyd. Look at that. You know? In the meantime, David, all he can think of, how am I going to get out of this without dying? How am I going to get out of this without being killed? I've got small, five smooth stones. He looked over, David saw this a little bit. Continue. He said to David, I'm a dog that you come with me with sticks. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. What happened was, is, the, is, is Goliath was insulted that David had come to him with something that looked like was not of, of what could kill him or attack him. He was insulted that he was going to use that. And today, you and I, we're using the name of the Lord. We're using the strength of the Lord. We're using his name, his power, his authority because of who we are. And let me tell you something. It's unseen until it starts manifesting. So now when you're walking up to these devils or you're walking up to these giants and you're beginning to face them, they don't know that inside this spirit is a Holy Ghost-filled individual that no longer is thinking of himself, no longer thinking about what he wants to do, no longer thinking about how he's going to do it. They, it tricks the enemy because they can't understand. And you rise up and you come up to that, to that Goliath. And what happens? Change. Keep, keep, keep on. Come here, he said, and I will give you flesh to the birds and the wild animals. No, I'm going to intimidate you. I'm going to take you and I'm going to rip you apart. Keep. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and spirit and javelin, but I come against you in the name of Buddha. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Buddha? I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Now holler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I come to you in the name of the Almighty, God of the armies of Israel, who have you defied. Continue. Oh, you don't have it. That's right. Who you defied. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with that, and I come against you in the name of the Lord. Many of you have thought that you have been stripped away of things. And the Lord is saying, I'm taking them away, so all you will is think about my name. You're going to use my name. You're going to speak my name. You're going to take territory and take authority in my name. You're going to be different in my name because no longer are you going to be thinking about what you do and how you're going to protect it. It's going to be in my name. You're going to bring down strongholds in my name. And the greatest thing of what the Lord's going to do today is he's going to cast fear out in his name. The spirit of fear that has some people trapped. You've been sitting here this morning and you've got about half the message. That's normal. I think study has shown that most people get about 20 to 30% of what spoke of in a meeting. I know that's high. <laughs> but under the preaching and under the ministry and talking about the most important thing of our life, if it's more than 20 to 30% and it's over half, then one thing you got today is what? I'm anointed. And the spirit of fear should not rely in, in me. And because I'm fearful of a Goliath and I'm fearful of those things in my life that have intimidated me, I've allowed those voices to speak into my life. Today is the beginning of a new day. I want to know without anybody clapping, anybody looking around, I want to know how many of you in here today are going to take that challenge to change. You're going to take that challenge to change. Go. Whoa. That's it. It's over. Now, because you raised your hand, and you signify that you're going to do that, you just put yourself in position for a great miracle. 
Now, those of you that did raise your hand like I didn't probably a couple weeks ago when the uh, weeks ago, whenever the pastor said, raise your hand if you do something, I didn't do it. Why? I didn't want anybody to see. Y'all don't ever do that, do you? I didn't want anybody to see. I thought, what, what am I doing? The Lord knows. For those, you're not guilty. You're not bad. Because he's just about to do the same for you as he for those that raise their hands. What that identification is when you raise your hand is that you acknowledge and you know, you know that you've got to have it. If you leave here today without the power of the Lord, the anointing of the Lord, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be the same. And you're determined. If you're desperate and you need the Lord to change you with the idea that he's going to with the power and the authority like he claims, I want you to walk to the front.